Hello and welcome to episode 320 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now, this episode for me today is huge. It doesn't get much better for me personally or bigger than when you get to interview one of your all-time favourite bands. When I interview bands on Mark and Me, I always ask the question about what albums change people's lives, what music performances change people's lives, and this is mine. Yes, today I'm joined by the amazing Ben and Chris from one of my all-time favourite bands, Silverchair. I've interviewed Ben only a few months ago, but this time round he's brought Chris with him, and we get to focus this time around on the band's official book, Love and Pain, which is out now and tells the story of Chris and Ben from Silverchair and all their journeys along the music industry over the last sort of 20 plus years, and it's absolutely brilliant. You'll also find out on today's interview that I contributed to this book. Actually, I sat with the writer and we went through lots of questions as a fan of the band and what sort of directions I wanted the book to go in. So it's an absolute honour to know that these two and myself get to break down and talk in great detail about the writing of this amazing book. I remember when I was growing up at school, a good friend of mine back then called Ben Davis got this album called Frog Stomp. I literally knew nothing about it, but it had this iconic white cover with just a simple bright green frog on it. And honestly, this just changed my life. Many of the bands I was in at school and bands around me were always doing Silverchair covers at our school gigs. And it was just part of our growing up. Like Nirvana, like Pearl Jam, Silverchair for me cemented the reason that I wanted to be in a band. They were the band that I got to see many times at festivals and UK dates. And I've worshipped them ever since. They've evolved like no other band. I think Neon Ballroom is a true masterpiece. I think that the music that they've done and the way they keep growing as musicians and the way they mature through their sound is just unique. And there's not another band out there and I don't think there ever will be like Silverchair. I don't want to go on too much right now because the interview's an hour long and it's great and that's a story within itself. So I think the best thing to do right now is to get straight to it. So here's me and Ben and Chris from Silverchair talking all things music. So Ben and Chris, welcome to the Mark and Me podcast. (laughs) Thanks for having us, man. (laughs) <laughs> I was waiting for you to go, Chris. G'day, Mark. Thanks for having us. <laughs> what I love to do on this podcast, guys, is take it right back to the very start. Now, Ben, you've already been on the podcast and it's amazing to have you back on. But Chris, this is your first time. So, Chris, can you tell me when you were growing up, what was that first album that you remember buying or that was given to you as a kid that made you absolutely fall in love with music? Um... I guess it, it was sort of like flicking through dad's record collection, really. I remember um, old vinyl of, you know, all the classics of Deep Purple and Black Sabbath, uh, Led Zeppelin, things like that. Um, oh, come on, mate, just, just pick one. <laughs> well, let's go Led Zeppelin. It just instantly instantly grabbed my attention. Um and um, 
yeah, there was just, yeah, it, it, I was hooked. Ben, you were the same, weren't you? You were pretty much Led Zeppelin from the start and James Brown, is that right? Yeah, I, I mean, I was, same as Chris, I, I think, um, and the, the, the way I describe it, I think as when you're discovering music, it's like you're, it's like you're searching around a toy box. Um, and it's not until you reach a certain level of musical maturity, you know, it's for, this is for musicians or non-musicians, I think, that you really lock into that sound that you just fall in love with. And yeah, I was the same. Once I got to that certain point where I really knew what I liked, it was, uh, it was definitely Led Zeppelin. Music kind of changed for me when I first went to my live gig. Uh, One of my first ever shows was Green Day. Uh, It was on their Dookie tour, and I thought they were just unbelievable. I was probably about 13, and um, I just couldn't believe how good they sounded. I couldn't believe there was only three people on stage making that much noise. But did you have a cool first gig, or was it quite an embarrassing one that you don't tell people? Um, One of my earliest memories of... um seeing a band was uh was UMI in Sydney um and it was probably the first time I'd like heard like heard some a band's music and then gone and seen them live and was just um yeah I guess just jaw dropping it was so it was just it was awesome um and we got to sit up on the side of stage and and watch them it was just um it was unbelievable it was mind-blowing at that age i think we might have been like 14 or something was yours cool ben or are you going to kind of change it last minute now to sound cool yeah go on (laughs) Uh, i i actually think i i remember that gig um the 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 umi gig but i wouldn't the first memory that i have of really like being at a rock concert was actually in Newcastle and we, we played on the bill. Um, we supported a band, a local band in Newcastle called the Screaming Jets um, that are very classic rock um, and very, and they're from Newcastle as well. So they're, you know, hometown. Um, and I quite like the drummer and I remember seeing him walking through the crowd and I was very excited that, you know, the I, I even just got to get a glimpse of him wandering through the crowd um, but yeah, that was probably the first one for me, just seeing, um, an audience just going ballistic over, over, over a band. And also they're a great, you know, they're, they were a really tight band. They're a really good live band as well. So that, that kind of, that was probably the one that sticks out for me in terms of like the, like a, a, a first gig that was quite memorable. What I usually do on the podcast is if it's any guest, an actor or a director or a band is I like to then find out how they came about to be. So with Silverchair, I think because we're going to focus today a lot on the new book, there's no point in talking about how you started out and what your first gigs were like, because we know that. And we also know from the book how your experiences are. But what I do want to know from both of you is at what point you decided let's put pen to paper and let's get our story out there. Was it, was it off the back of the fact that Dan had done a podcast and kind of started to tell his story that you felt like maybe it's our time now to talk? No, uh, I'd actually um, considered writing a book back in 2018. Um, Jackie, my wife, uh, wrote a book with a publishing company in Australia called Hachette 
and um, we just became really close to one of the people that worked there. And um, I, I had I had a conversation with her in 2018, and that it kind of fizzled out. It didn't really turn into anything. But the real trigger point for me um, was when my twin boys were born um, in 2021, and yeah, and I mean, and that was all. That was pre anything that Dan did with um, you know his his record or his podcast or anything. So it was it was purely just out of wanting to tell my story um, from my perspective that my boys could read. Um, and not go onto Google and, you know, and, you know, kind of piece together some kind of story from clickbait articles online, you know, um, I really wanted them to, to know, you know, the, the experiences and the incredible time that I, that I shared with Daniel and Chris, um, in the band. And so, and I did speak to Chris about it, um, quite a while ago and, you know, he, he, he made it pretty clear at the time that he he was only really interested in doing something that was all three of us but I guess once that um once once I guess it became a reality and I chatted to Chris about it um you know then I, I you know at that point I went to him and said um hey look do you want to be part of the book and even at that time I you know he's he's had the same kind of attitude I guess and then um I'll, I'll never forget the day um I was sitting having my car washed actually in Newcastle and I was having a coffee and I, and um, I said, Hey, look, I just had an inkling that he was still, there was like, he was, there was, there was a curiosity there. And I was like, Hey, look, you know, there's still like, I've just started the process of this book of, 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 you know, working with Ali and you know, that if, if you want to get on board, there's, there's, there's still the, the door is wide open. You just, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to write it together, like let's go. And then Chris over to you. Yeah. Well, it was probably, I don't know, maybe 48 hours after that phone call that I, I, yeah, I flicked Ben a note just saying, um, yeah, I'd love to, um, get on board and, and collaborate on it. That, uh, you know, once I, once it sort of sat with me and I and I thought deeply about it, it was, you know, there's so much more to it other than just the band. Given our friendship spans for you know the better part of forty odd years, and um, you know, we're still such great mates today. So there there was there was so much more to it rather than just purely focusing on um uh, our time in the band together, um, and. Yeah, and given you know just a few um, speed humps in the road with some health stuff, life just seemed too short really to turn down a um, such opportunity. I think what's strange is obviously Dan's been quite public on social media. He's had albums out. Ben, you've had um, music releases from yourself as a solo artist, and you're very active on Instagram and stuff. But Chris, it seemed like you were just disappeared like we didn't know what you were doing in your life you'd never been active on any social media and you've been completely out of the kind of fame for you know over 10 years and it was incredible just to see a picture of you again with Ben and be like okay there he is he's he's around he's healthy he's he's on board it was so good because no one knew what you were doing anymore yeah yeah I look it was quite a deliberate um 
um, attempt it myself to, I guess, just, um, just, I don't know, just, I was just interested in living a pretty quiet, um, existence and, um, uh, just, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. Just, I don't know. I was, I was quite content just in, um, yeah, just keeping a pretty low profile and, and another interest as well. Like, I guess I, I, um, sort of moved away from, um, music essentially and, um, got into opening bars and restaurants and, um, other, I guess life just took me in a different direction. And I was saying, Ben, before um, you came on today, I've been talking to Chris about how I've been kind of reading the book and I've had the audio book on for the last few days and it's, you know, nearly seven hours. But what really works and keeps me completely engaged in it is the format, the fact that each is, it's like a diary entry. So you can be listening and hearing you talking about 1995 and then suddenly it switches to Chris talking about 2001 and then it's you back to 1998. Was that a conscious choice between you guys or the publisher or the writer to kind of make it more like a journal instead of a from the very start and then it goes all the way to the present day? Yeah, that was a, a bit of a that was a choice from myself that um, unfortunately just during the well, I don't know, maybe fortunately during the creative process, I'd kind of already started down a path before Chris came on board. But, you know, uh, thankfully he was kind of into the idea. Um, so there was two things that happened before I started writing, you know, before, um, Chris came on board. Um, I'd watched a documentary on Netflix that I'm sure a lot of people would have seen, um, called the last dance about the Chicago bulls. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great documentary, but I really, I noticed in it how they did that, the shift between the timeline that wasn't linear, like it just kept shifting all over the place. And I also noticed that on a few other kind of documentaries on, they seem to be on Netflix a bit. Um, and I just felt like it was just a really nice way to keep the story interesting. And I thought just for the silver chair and, you know, and eventually both of our personal stories, like it was just a nice way to keep, you know, the, the, a lot of momentum. And it also helped in the book as well, I think, toward the end when there's some stuff that's a bit more challenging that you can sprinkle in some lighter moments and some, you know, so it's not, it doesn't feel kind of heavy or, or you know, a bit more, a bit darker at the end maybe. Um, so, yeah, so I kind of told Ali straight up, I said, you know, there's no, this isn't linear. Let's not do it linear. Let's move around have the timeline move around. And it was funny when I first mentioned it to her, she was like, how are we going to do that? And I was like, I don't know. That's, um, that's your <laughs> that's job. That's your job. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can, you can figure out how that's going to work. Um, and then the other one, other really, uh, another, another, um, I guess the diary entry, like where it's like, there's no real chapters and there's no real, like some parts are like one page, you know, and there's other parts are like several pages or however long is, um, the boys, my, my, my two baby boys were, I don't know, maybe six months old when uh, I probably, probably younger. And I was reading them a book called uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne. And I just noticed that like in this book that there was no, there was no real, like 
like they were just thoughts. Like it was like when he was writing the book, he was like, right, well, if I need to, um, if the story needs, if the story at this, if the story arc at this point of the, the overall story just needs two pages, that's all I'm going to give it. And um, I, I said that to Ali as well, right from the start. I said, look, it doesn't, let's not worry about chapters, no chapters. Like, let's just keep it really free flowing. Like if, if the thought, if the, if the moment just needs a page, like that's all it needs to be, then we can move on. Um, and look, and to be honest with you, who like, uh, <laughs> it was risky. Who, who, who knew it was going to work? Like we could have got to the end of it. And it was a disaster and we have to start again. But <laughs> I suppose what's, it kind uh, of works. It does work really well and it keeps you engaged because like you said, some are literally when you guys are reading, it can be just a chapter can, well, a page for you guys can feel like 45 seconds. Then it's like, oh, it switched to Chris again now. Now he's going to talk for three or four minutes. It was, it works so well as an audiobook, And because you guys are doing it as well, it feels even more personal. Like you're reading your diary to us and, um, yeah, I've spent a good seven and a half hours with you guys this week, and it's 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 kept me uh, engaged. And I've not listened to any music; I've just been like right back to Ben and Chris. So it, it is working. Awesome, yeah, cool. I suppose what I'm uh, really curious about is how to whittle it down to make it uh, a you know a realistic sized book. And Ali shared with me the whiteboard that you guys had in your meeting room, and it was you know all brainstorming and had loads of different like topics, but was there a conscious choice to keep it to a certain amount? Because I'm sure there's many stories that both of you wished had seen the kind of the light, but must have been like, look, we just can't, this can't be like a 10,000 page book. (laughs) (laughs) I guess just naturally, like all that really sort of um, the, the key points will always just, you know, rise to the surface essentially. Um, and, um, you know, we spent hours with Ali pouring and purging and, um, you know, I'm sure there's miles of stuff on the cutting room floor. But, um, yeah, she, I guess, worked her wizardry uh, in um, pulling it all into shape. I mean, Chris, you you couldn't have been more brave with this release of this book because, like you said, um, you made a conscious choice not to be active on these social media. You put down the bass guitar. You've been doing stuff with a family and obviously opening restaurants and going down that kind of avenue. But it only came to light when I watched your two-part documentary uh, on Australian TV, which I was lucky enough to watch on YouTube that you actually came out and told the world about your cancer and heart um, attack. And I think you didn't just kind of step back in a little bit and be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm happy to talk about Silverchair. You've given the fans more than they could have ever have asked for, but you've not hold back. You've, you've kind of given yourself to everyone again. And I think you've been so brave to tell that story when no one knew. So you could have just kept it a secret. Yeah, I guess it's the um, the commitment I made to myself and and to Ben just to be, um, you know, extremely open and honest um, through this whole process, and um, because it, otherwise, you know, unless you're prepared to go there, um, you're probably not going to do the project you're going to do the project a disservice if if you're not willing to, you know, lean in and um, just, you know, blow the lid off essentially. So, 
that was sort of my approach. And, you know, uh, I feel very safe, you know, working with Ben now in this environment as well. Um, and, um, yeah, I guess there's no no dots left to join, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and ben, ben, you did the same, Ben. Like, you told everyone about you uh, and your alcohol problems and your anxiety and... You know, some books I've read of autobiographies of bands, you know they've just been polished and want to come across looking like a rock god. But you guys were happy to say, look, we fucked up. We made huge mistakes. We got ourselves in really bad places. And I think that's really important because it tells the real story. Uh, and you've titled the book Love and Pain. It's not love and success or love and victory. There was a lot of pain along the journey. And the alcohol stuff sounds like in hindsight, like, horrendous when you could look back at it i suppose at the time it's not as bad but now you can reflect it seems like you've done so well to come out of that dark place yeah definitely i mean look it's uh, i do find it, it's it's funny because chris and i've been on a on a bit of a book tour at the moment and i always feel like it's it's a bit weird talking about <laughs> alcoholism and anxiety considering what chris has gone through um you know, because it's just I don't I just don't think they're very comparable. They're they're different. They're different yeah. journeys. They're different. Um, yeah, you can't compare. It's but like, um, it still uh, doesn't make it any. Yeah, that's right. Less. I think everyone has their life. own challenges, and you you give them what you've got. And I suppose, as bad as it is, and they're not measurable. Ben, you've had issues and problems, and Chris, you've had horrendous times, but. You've both come out, even whatever the problems were, you've both come out kind of the, out the dark place with some light and you've both now been able to not celebrate those things. But isn't it great that you're both here to tell that story now and it didn't go uh, you know, a different path and you know, we're talking about you as someone that may be not here anymore. I think it's incredible that us three are sharing time today. Looking yeah, back at what I, you guys I think it's, there's something there to be celebrated, I think. You know, there, there's still like some amazing times in the band that we shared together, and the fact we're still um, fantastic mates today—that's um, worth celebrating. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think I think that's um, yeah. There's something. There is something, even just through the process of the Australian story and doing the book and and the tour. You know, to to kind of reflect on, you know, the, the book is kind of now part of our story and, and our friendship, um, and to kind of it really, it almost gives you more perspective again, and to and to step back and look look at our lives now and go, you know, we are probably closer than we were even in the band, and we've both got you know, incredible partners. We've both got beautiful children and, you know, we, we've, we've kind of worked through that. You know, we, I think we've both put a lot of work in like personal work on ourselves. Um, but to be able to look back and go, to be able to look where we are now and look back, like you, you just, it, you, you're so incredibly thankful, um, you know, that, that, that we're in the position that we are now and that's you know i think that's where you know within the book as well like that's that's where all the love comes from you know and um 
yeah it's it's it is it's it's, it's a really it, it's a really nice and you know life can life can throw anything at you at any time but it is nice to reflect and look back and you know i guess smell the roses a bit and go you know we've had a we had and we've had some incredible times and some challenges along the way but you know all in all we've we're we're, we're incredibly lucky how does it feel now when you're both i suppose kind of back on tour even though it's not a rock and roll tour where you're drinking every night and going on stage but you are out there meeting the fans taking a lot of time to do these q and a's and these book tours does it feel like a real nice trip down memory lane seeing how much the fans have embraced it because they've missed you so much it is um it is really comforting um and um uh and and mind-blowing at the same time the response um from people that have been coming out to the q and a's uh you know just goes to show how much love there is for the band still out there um and um and just how loyal they are um and forever grateful for that i mean um yeah, the the response has been the and the and the the people have just been amazing. I think what I've noticed, and this was always going to come, and I'm sure you guys weren't oblivious and expected it, but you are always going to get a bit of a backlash, and you're always going to get some people on there saying, "We want Silverchair back together. We want to see another gig. Why don't you talk to Dan? Why is Dan not in the book?" And I wondered, because you're now both active on Instagram and you're promoting this book, have you bothered to kind of read the the comments and all the feedback? Because there's a bit of a divide. There's a lot of positive, there's a lot of, um, you know, positive comments. There's a lot of people embracing this book, but there are still those idiots and those trolls that are still always going to be on there saying, this should have been with Dan and fuck you guys, this should have been all three of you. And I suppose, do you take any note of that or do you just kind of keep it positive and kind of celebrate this book as a, for me, a very positive experience of Silverchair? Yeah, look, I've I've made a, a I guess, a conscious effort to stay away from, um, I guess, the comments and online and, you know, the, I, I mean, you can't, like, you can't completely stay away from it. You do see some of it and generally it's it's always been really positive and, and uplifting and I guess for, for anyone that, you know, has their opinion, um, you know, that like, what if, if, you know, if it's negative, like they prop, they just don't really know the story um, and they probably just don't really know the full scope of the story. Um, and that's okay. Like, you know, I think we've, we've made a really, Chris and I have made a, and we've spoken about this, like we've made a really conscious effort to enjoy this process. Um, you know, we, we don't want to be bogged down with um, negativity and, and people kind of, you know, and people are, people can have their opinions. That's, that's totally fine. Um, it doesn't mean that that we have to agree or I have to agree with it or we have to agree with it. Um, you know, um, we are, we, there was three guys in silver chair and, and, you know, Chris and I, you know, we, we have every right to tell our story, how, how we saw it. And, um, 
But yeah, look, I think, you know, I think like we do lean in for the love, you know, there, there were some challenges, but um, we, we made it, we, we, we've made a really conscious effort to make the whole experience like the, you know, online at the tour at the, you know, on the tour um, just positive, you know, cause that's kind of where, where we are in life. You know, there's, there's no mm. use getting bogged down in, in, um, in negative negativity and, and, you know, people just, I don't know. It's just, I just stay away from it. It's just, it's just, I don't know. It just sucks your energy. And it's funny how, like, I do find sometimes you can, it's like the naughty kid in a, in, in the classroom, right? Like for some reason, like if you, you can read a hundred beautiful messages online of people that are, you know, genuinely, they get the sentiment of the book, but there might be one, person there that's trolling and being really nasty and negative for no good reason and that that kind of sticks to your brain like you know like some phlegm for some reason I don't know why I don't know if it's human nature but um so yeah I think it's it's just best to stay away stay away from it and you know just uh let people know that it's out there and 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 enjoy the process because you know how many times how many times are you going to write a book I suppose yeah, Ben, you're not the only uh, you're not the only person, dude. Because even though I'm not on the scale of Silverchair, my podcast is doing really well in the UK and it's getting a, quite a success. And I'll read reviews and I'll go on to um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and I love the feedback. And now I've launched YouTube. But if there's one person, even though there's thousands of people that listen, the one person that's hit a one star, I'm like what did I do? Mm. Like, what did I do to you? Is it really a one star? Is it really that bad? Like, I want to find you and know this person, just sit and have a beer and say, what was it that made it so bad? Yeah. I actually sometimes myself <laughs> like these, like the keyboard warriors, like I, there must be a reality show in that where you actually get them to sit in front of the person. And, oh, that's you know, amazing. they can be, they can be so brave when you're sitting behind a keyboard. But it's like, okay, cool. We'll say it to my face and we can have a conversation about it, you know? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah that'd be quite confronting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, it's I'm not, copywriting it that. Is, That's going to be my new show. It's going to be, you know, the, the troll uncovered. Yeah. I, look, you know, yeah. it, it's kind of like, remember that? Remember the show on MTV? I think it was called Cheaters or something. They used to yes. Play. It's kind of like that, but for trolls. <laughs> well something good is going to come from this because i'm going to launch that i'm going to get sponsorship and you guys can be on the first episode it'll be silver chair meets the trolls <laughs> <laughs> this is brilliant i'm going to host it and we're going to honestly it'll be brilliant and suddenly you know we're like uh frogstomp 982 off instagram meets ben and chris and he said that you're shit <laughs> and now, <laughs> what have we done that's made us shit to you yeah. Let's talk about it. Like, what, <laughs> what, what, what upset you so much? <laughs> and I suppose um, what's one thing that I, I've kind of, you know, Ben, how much I love Silverchair, and you know, I, I've seen all your UK shows, and I've I've been there since I was sort of twelve with a guitar, wanting to try and be like you guys. And um, the one thing that's always kind of a mystery to me is this unheard album that you guys have kind of recorded bits to and demoed up and stuff. And 
I know it's crazy, but you know what Led Zeppelin fans are like and you know what Beatles fans are like. If they can ever get their hands on something, even if it isn't the finished product, it's a demo or a, a, a rough edit, do you think there'll ever be a day that we as fans get to hear those unreleased tracks? <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't see... Um, yeah, I don't. I don't really. I don't know. My my gut's telling me I don't really see that ever um, happening. That there are a lot of really great ideas. There was a couple of um, like I guess fully formed songs in the mix, um, but I, I probably weren't fully completed. Um, still had a bit of work to go. I don't know. I don't think so. I wouldn't. Um, but you know, who knows? Keep those hard drives safe because <laughs> no if someone breaks in, so if someone breaks into your house and releases them, you gotta be really careful now. Yeah, mm. look, there, yeah, the, Chris is Chris is right. There was some. I, I when we first started that sixth record, like I don't know, I, I definitely I I was really excited by it. I I thought some of the sounds and ideas were like. It was just so progressive and so cool and it was really different for us, but I, f- I still felt like we were we were tapping into like like that original tomorrow, like jamming. Like we were jamming as a band and coming up with these just great vibes. But, yeah, that they, they weren't – we needed a producer to help sculpt them into actual songs because they just weren't songs. They were just kind of – yeah, ideas and vibes and and um yeah, I yeah, I can't see at the moment I can't see them ever seeing the light of day, but you know, you just who knows? You don't know how you'll feel in ten years. You don't know you just, who knows. I I doubt it, but you know, Justin Bieber, never say never. <laughs> <laughs> I swear you quoted him a few times on the last episode. Yeah, well, it's 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 just that thing, right? You know, like you just don't know what life's going to throw at you. Like you know, you, you, you like just think about like most people can relate to like where you were fifteen years ago, or twenty years ago, or ten years ago, or like you just things change and relationships change and and your mindset changes and you know your priorities change and um. You know, who knows where we'll be in 10 years. We could be in exactly the same spot or, you know, we might be kind of, the three of us might be in a different place without all of our relationships and we might be like, oh, fuck it, you know, just put them out there. Like, just let the fans have them, you know. I, I don't know. Who knows? But at the moment, it's 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 definitely not going anywhere. <laughs> there's, there's a moment on the part two of the, is it Australia Today? Is that what the show's called? the two-part documentary Australian story Australian story sorry and there's this really incredible yeah. kind of closing shot for the second episode where it's just normal you're having a barbecue with your children and your family and it's like a, I think it's like a garden area but you just all are at one of your houses and it just feels really normal and you've kind of got this life where there's nothing missing you know you've got wives you've got children you're healthy now you're in a good place and it just felt really beautiful to see that you're you know in this really nice place at this point 
But there's part of me that was always like, I know that Ben and Chris didn't have the finale for Silverchair that they wanted. They, you know, you must have surely wanted that final send off tour where you walk off the stage and everyone knows it's one of your last ever shows and you get that huge, you know, ovation and everyone's standing up and you kind of like, that's it. It feels like closure. But seeing that episode of that um, Australian network show, it then changed my mind. And I was like, perhaps they aren't looking for that anymore. Perhaps they don't need the send off. Perhaps the family and everything else is just, that's where they are in their life now. But does it feel like there's still unfinished business? Does it still feel like you could give it that final tour? I know it's a difficult one to answer, but as where you are today. Look, it would have been nice to to um to definitely for a couple of reasons, definitely um I think wrap up the band in a in a different way. I mean, um if not for the fans, um we wouldn't um we wouldn't have had the career that we had. So it kind of would have been nice just to do a you know, something um that might have, you know, <laughs> been a bit more sort of um, um, of a thank you towards the fans of the band. Um, and, I mean, mentally uh, it was quite hard just coming to terms with, you know, essentially an indefinite hibernation. Um, and And it did feel a bit kind of like... Yeah, I don't know. It all just faded to black type thing, but it it wasn't. It, it didn't feel like it was. The chapter was closed, and you could mentally just move on with your life. Um, and it it's definitely taken me a number of years to just to be able to sit comfortably with that idea. Um, and um, the book definitely, um, definitely helped me massively in that sense what about you ben um yeah look i think i mean the way the band was left you know we didn't the three of us didn't have a clear conversation about finishing you know to have a statement put out that we're in indefinite hibernation and just leave it at that. Like it's just, it's really left up in the air and it's, it's not clear. And it was a really mental challenge. Like, you know, I guess for me, for my, I yeah, just, just not having that closure, like to sit down with Daniel and Chris and all of us kind of say, you know, if it was coming from Daniel or if it was coming from Chris or me or whoever it was is saying, Hey, look, I don't want to do this anymore as a band just to be, to have that real clarity around it. Like we didn't have that, that conversation never happened. So, um, I mean, and, and we've kind of joked about this, like technically the band's still in indefinite hibernation. Like we haven't it's actually. It's just a long one. In. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't <laughs> officially sent the bands over. Um, but yeah, look, you know, I, I think the right way for the band to have finished considering, you know, our friendships and the experiences that we shared, like 
that's how I always imagined it, that that we'd go out in a blaze of glory, like do a big tour, you know, and be arm in arm and celebrating what we'd achieved together. Um, yeah, and that's, you know, it's for, for ourselves, for the fans, um, for, you, you know, your, your mental state as well to be able to close close that off um so it has you know i I think chris and i i imagine we've both had that same struggle with it not you know not having that closure and i think that was part you know that was part of the reason for for doing the book and we kind of we mentioned that pretty early on that that's you know hopefully that's you know what 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 it will help achieve mentally as well um you know, and we've never, you know, to, it, still to this day, we, we've never had that conversation. So, um, so I guess, you know, I guess we, in a way, we had to take it into our own hands to to give us both that kind of closure. But um, look, I, and I, mate, and I think we spoke about this, Mark, on that on the first podcast. Like, yeah. the, the the fear the fear would be that that magical spark that makes Silverchair so special isn't there anymore. Um, mm-hmm. That if the, the three of us did get together and we played music, that it, you'd just be like if it was just a deflated balloon and we're just kind of like, oh, it's just, we're not, we're not excited by it or we're not, we're just not as passionate as we used to be. Or, you know, there's that, that, that would be the fear for me that if somehow that we could all, you know, come together and decide to do something that it may be that, you know, maybe maybe the magic wouldn't wouldn't be there, um, but you know, there's there's there definitely has been the the the, the cathartic process of the book, and um, even even you know having these chats with you know lovely people like you and and Chris and I obviously you know we, we talk a lot and we kind of process stuff as well. Like the whole process has definitely helped, kind of. Um, be a bit of a bookend for that time in our lives. I mean, there's there's a really nice bookend, like you said, and to wrap it all up in this book feels like a, a really good way of having some sort of closure for you guys, especially revisiting the the highs and the lows and celebrating it through a book, which I never thought would happen. Um, but it does, from my perspective as a fan, uh, it does still feel like it isn't quite finished it doesn't feel you know do you know what the perfect would being honestly completely honest with you both i don't need to see a picture of you guys yeah, on, on stage if i don't need yeah, to see a I'll picture I, I i don't need to see that that doesn't need to i don't need to be at the front hearing emotion sickness again it'd be absolutely incredible but if, but if the like ben just said if it wasn't right and it felt forced and you're going through the motions and i didn't get the feelings i got when i saw you 10, 15, 20 years ago, it would be like, oh, do you remember when Silverchair used to be amazing? But what I do <laughs> want to, but what I really want to see, yeah. what I really want to see is just you three in a room or having a barbecue and knowing that all that crap's now water under the bridge. It's, there's too much history. There's been too much love between you three to not have a really happy ending of you three just as mates just having a drink or just being in each other's mm. company and 
have been able to say the things that you've not been able to say for nearly 10 years. You know, that's that's the sad part to see. And I'm just being honest. I'm not bringing it down. I'm just saying all I want to see, Ben, yeah. is you, you, Chris and Dan hugging it out and just being cool with each other. You know, none of this animosity or negativity and just that. That's all I want. Look, you know, that, that would be, that, that'd be lovely. Um, I think, um, I think we could all benefit from that kind of outlook. Um, and, um, and who knows? We, we may get there one day. We may not. Ben, you're too quiet and I don't like it. <laughs> right, <it's>, uh, <laughs> I guess, you know, um, yeah, look, I mean, that'd be amazing. It really would be. And, um, I said it the, um, and I think Chris and I may have discussed this during the process. And I said it at the Newcastle that, you know, that the first launch in Newcastle for the book, that, you know, there's, there's definitely a, a sentiment of the, that, that, that the book's an invitation. It is. Yeah. It, I finished it, it and really, I thought that's a, it's an olive branch, isn't it? It, it, lean, it, it really lean that, you know, like we've, I keep repeating it. There's, there's some tough stuff in there, but Chris and I really did want to be brutally honest about our experiences from our perspectives. But I think overall, like it's, um, you know, it's, it leans into the love and it's a, it's mm. a pretty big invitation, but you know, it's, it doesn't ultimately it's about our, the book, the book is about our journey, um, and whatever the you know whatever the future holds for the relationship between the three of us. Like, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I really don't know. Like, if if the day comes where the three of us can be in a room and and um, you know be be happy to all be together and and you know laugh and reminisce and. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that happens one day. What What would you? It's, it's a tough one, but what do you think you need to say that would fix it? Is it all three of you saying something? Is there an apology needed? Is it just a case of putting everything to one side and just being yourselves again and being those naughty kids that were on tour that were trashing places and just having fun and wearing the same clothes every day is it just it's taking a, stripping a everything back that. you know yeah. yeah it's probably a little bit of all of that I, I, probably just yeah I, I mean um probably just 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 listening yeah probably just start by listening that's the perfect response yeah. i can't lie yeah, and I yeah. think, and I do, I do think there's, there's, uh, you know, and it's, it's probably from all three of us. I think there's, there's some stuff that we, we would probably need to help unpacking and yeah. working through. Um, but you know, it's not, it's not out of the question. Um, you know, but it just, I guess, you just need to take that first step. Um, and until you take that first step, it's like, you, like, yeah, you just, you, you, it just, it's just, a, it just will stay the same until we all kind of 
you know, and decide that we can we can do that. Surely, I'm not. I'm not forcing it or pushing it, but surely the release of a book where both of you have been so open and so honest, but it's so positive. And I do feel like it's you guys reaching your hand out now and saying, Dan, like, let's chat. Let's just let's just do something. Surely now is the time. Five years ago, maybe not. Maybe Ben at your birthday was not the time to do it. But surely, if there's anything going to happen. It must be off the back of this book because, you know, I'm sure Dan's aware the book's out. I'm sure he's aware. There must be part of him that wants to read and look into it and go down that kind of memory of nostalgia and revisit those times. Surely, surely if it's going to happen, it's going to be now. Yeah, well, time will tell. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's, there's, um, yeah, I mean, yes, time will tell. <laughs> Surprise, here's Dan. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> so what's happening now then, guys? I suppose you're halfway through the tour, is that right? I know you've probably got to get on flights soon and do some more uh, promotion for the book. It's been number one, which is incredible. The response I've seen online has been amazing. The diehard fans are loving the the fact that they've got this now and um, the publicity is going great. Is, is it just to finish this tour and then take a bit of time out because you've been back on tour again? <laughs> yeah, see so the family got, eat got, again have nice food do brisbane, your normal things um yeah brisbane melbourne adelaide and oh hobart adelaide left to go um and the yeah the whole q a thing's been really um uh it's been great it's been nice just sort of in conversation um talking about some things from the book um and um and parts of our lives um but afterwards um yeah just back to back to home life that's good isn't it surely just to spend time with the kids and just have normality we're getting older you can't go you can't stay up as late you can't drink as many beers (laughs) yeah it's definitely um it's been it's i think um I guess Chris and I spoke this morning, I think just the whole process because, uh, I mean, even though I've been doing my music, like, um, you know, music for me is almost like a hobby, you know, like it's not, it's not what it was in Silverchair. I I just do it because I love it. But I guess what the book has really done and during the Australian story and, and all this, you know, like national press and, and uh, you know, if the book gets released internationally as well, which I, th- I think it's going to be, like there might be some international stuff too. Like it, you, you just forget what it's like to be thrust into the public eye at quite that level. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I can't talk for Chris, but I, it's definitely been not taxing, but just a reminder of the you know, the intensity that that we that we must have, you know, endured. Or maybe we just weren't as aware, you know, I guess just maybe being a bit older and aware, like it's been, there's definitely been an intensity about it um, that's been um, quite quite draining and taxing um, yeah. just on your but end. There's, a, there's your definitely end. a personal, deeper um, personal story that I guess we've, 
um, lent into as well, which um, is uh, rather taxing at times. Yeah, not to say that it hasn't. Like it's been enjoyable, right? Like it's it has it's still been yeah, an enjoyable it has been. It's experience. Been extremely fun, yeah. But it's just um, it's just a yeah, it's just a different um, it's different to touring it if you are like playing music. Um, but yeah, you know, I think we both like say after after the week or so that we've had in Sydney and 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 the show in Newcastle and Sydney, like I think we were both pretty uh pretty excited to come home for a few days before we kick on and just, you know, just trying to catch up on sleep. And, um, but yeah, look, it's still all very exciting. I can see it now. There'll be this big announcement. So chair back together. They're doing a final tour after two nights. You'll be like, we can't do any more. We want to go home and drink cups of tea and be in bed by nine <laughs> o'clock. We're too <laughs> tired to do a set list of 15 songs, but it's, it's too much. We, we, we thought it was a good idea and everyone wanted it, but no, we just want to be at home. <laughs> yeah. Ben, um, was there anything left out of the book that you wish now you could go back in and put in? <clears throat> I don't know if that's a leading question, Mark, but yes, there is. There's... <laughs> What what did you miss out putting in the book that would have been the well, thing? Th- there is one major thing that I think all of your listeners need to know <laughs> that uh, that Mark Mark himself uh, was actually a contributor to the book. Um, I'll, I'll 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 give I'll give some back some background. So I had a, again I had an idea early on when I spoke to Ali that to have a fan involved that that would be really good like to try and hone in on like you know maybe there's some like burning questions that fans really wanted would really like to know that we could add to the book and after our first podcast mark then i thought mark would be the perfect person to talk to ali so for those listening mark actually spoke to ali and was part of the process of writing love and pain um and then there was a there was a small passage in the book um that we that was edited out but then stupid ben i'm putting my hand up i'm completely fucked up mark should have been thanked in the acknowledgements but he wasn't and i felt extremely horrible about it and Anyway, this is me officially on your podcast saying I am so incredibly sorry, Mark. You should have been, your name should have been in that book because of your contribution, and I'm so sorry. Don't worry. It's all water under the bridge. Um, To know that I got to contribute and talk (laughs) to you and to Ali and now Chris as a huge Silverchair fan, it would have been beautiful to have that, you know, that bit of history and see my name in the book. But um, I felt part of the journey and there's a million fans out there that would love that chance. And I got that. So uh, when time's gone on and you can look back and you've kind of you get over the initial shock or the upset or the, you know, the the anger. Now it just feels fine and uh, it all feels really positive And. The fact that you're going to send me a check for a million dollars to say sorry is just so kind. I still can't believe you're doing <laughs> it. <laughs> and the whole back cat of vinyl and all your drums and everything is so kind. It's all in the mind. He's good luck, that, isn't he? He's wonderful. It's amazing. It hasn't, it hasn't arrived yet. I keep getting told I'm getting a thank you package. It hasn't come yet, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'll the DHL. 
I'll send yeah. you the DHL code. It's coming. Amazing. What I do, and it's my final question, and Ben, you've had this on the last podcast, but Chris, this is for you as well, is as the episode is all edited and the world is ready to listen, you get to choose the final song that's played on the podcast. Now, it doesn't have to be a Silverchair song. It can be a song that means something to you, a song that you absolutely love. And yes, Ben did choose a song by Led Zeppelin. But um, what's a song that you really adore that when I ask the question, and it can be any song by any band in the whole world, that means a lot to you, Chris, that you would love to be played after today's episode is all ready for the world to listen to? Um... Oh, so de- I just really want to know what the first song it is that popped into your head. For me? What's the first song that popped in your head? Uh, it's it's probably a Wilco song. Ooh. Ooh. And, um... Oh. I do put you on the screen. There's probably like 600 songs in your head now, going down to 100, down to 50, but... What's the one that came to your heart before any other? Wasn't Boob Scotch, was it, Chris? No, nah, it wasn't Boob Scotch. <laughs> huh? He's getting his phone out Stop. now. This is why he's not on camera. He's looking for his Spotify going, which one? Yeah, yeah, look. There must be one that pops straight in. Yeah, like Hummingbird off um, A Ghost Is Born. Is that your final answer? <laughs> Or, yeah, let's go Hummingbird. Oh. Lovely. What about you, Ben? What would you, now you've got a second chance, obviously. I think I think you picked, I can't remember on the Led Zeppelin track, it was a classic and it was fucking awesome, but I, uh, you get you get a round two. You know, um, I'm going to go something a little bit, a little bit different um, because... I'm just loving this band at the moment. Um, they're called King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. And it's the song's called Catching Smoke. And um, it's just so fucking cool. I don't know. I'm just obsessed with it. Like, I, I, I love the band and I really, there's a lot of other songs that I, that I love of theirs that I'm, that I'm discovering at the moment. But that, I keep coming back to that one song. It's just just got a magic about it. I love it. Yeah, so Catching Smoke. Is this an old band or a new band or a current band? Oh, it's an Aussie band. They've been around for a fair while. Um, it's just one of those, you know, those bands that, that are kind of on, on the peripheries that you, you, that you never kind of get into. And then for some reason, like, there's a spark or something that just, that just turns you on to them. Um, yeah. And I had that with them, like maybe, you know, like six months ago, um, actually I was doing a photo shoot with, a, a um, the guy. Oh, that yeah, did we were. The, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he put me onto them. Yeah. The, the a guy called McClay in Australia, who I guess is like the, he's the go-to guy in Australia and even internationally for, for rock photography, he still uses film, um, he's just a, and he's just a good guy, um, super passionate about music. And, um, the first time, like I caught up with him a couple of years ago and he kind of told me about, um, 
well, he was he was really psyched on King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, um, and I think he's done a lot of work with them. Um, but yeah, he just every time I see him, he just kind of pumps their music, and um, yeah, so yeah, so I just had I just had that moment with McClay, like I just had that spark where you know I just heard a couple of songs, I was like, what am I doing? This band's bloody awesome, and I've just taken a deep dive, but. Yeah, they they're really cool. But that one that one song in particular is just that's the standout for me. But until I'll I'll keep I'll keep uh I'll keep the journey going and see what else I can find. It's not the easiest band name to remember, but I've written it down and what I'll end up doing now is listening to it this week before <laughs> I edit it. I'll put it into the episode and I'll be like fucking hell this is awesome and then probably spend the next two weeks in a rabbit hole just listening to all their stuff because chris wilco are incredible and a band that i've listened to for years but i've never even heard yeah, this band probably band, one so. of my all-time favorite bands yeah absolutely mm. awesome well guys this comes to a beautiful end of the episode which has been just over an hour so i'm very grateful for your time and i know how busy you are and i know there's lots of people that would love you to take the time to go on their show and i've had you now twice ben and chris it's been an honor to have you on so i, I really do hope you are, like, understand and appreciate just how much um i've wanted to speak to you guys and have you on this podcast and how much it means to me it really is a genuine dream come true so thank you both awesome man awesome. thank you thanks for having us thanks for having us mark and uh good luck with the rest of the book tour and um yeah, I, I don't know what the future holds. I um I speak to you a lot, Ben, on message um outside of the podcast stuff, and uh, yeah, I, you've really embraced my life, and I, I can't thank you enough for your uh, generosity and kindness and uh, making this happen. So uh, I'm really looking forward to the fans listening to this as a follow up to our single episode. And Chris, I hope one day our paths connect that internationally you're doing a book tour or something, and we can sit down and have a cup of tea, and you know enjoy a quiet moment and not be rock and roll at all <laughs> That'd be great. maybe, like maybe that. we'll be crazy and have a sandwich or something maybe we can, maybe we can uh obviously we'll stay in touch mark but maybe um if we get over to the uk for the book um yeah. we can uh we can we can get together the three of us and celebrate when uh the mark and me podcast is uh hit number one that would be awesome because what we'll do is we'll do a live q and I'll host it and then we'll record it and that'll be the one that, you know, that's the official first number one instead of number two with Biffy Clyro. <laughs> love it. I love it. Right, guys, I'll let you get back to family time and probably prep, uh, preparing for more press. But um, thank you so much, guys. And uh, yeah, Ben, I'll stay in touch. And Chris, I hope we, we kind of get to speak again another time. No doubt. Our legend. See, See you, later. mate. See you later, guys. So there it is. There's my interview with me, Chris, and Ben from the amazing Silverchair. Genuinely, I still pinch myself now that I get to text Ben 
And we're like friends. We talk a lot. He's an amazing guy and so is Chris. And it's such a delight to have them in my life and to know how much of an impact they had on me musically, creatively. And I'm really, really proud of this one. I want to say now a massive thank you to Ben and Chris for taking the time during this book tour to come on the Market Me podcast. They hadn't done much press in the UK, so it's an absolute huge privilege for me to have any time with you guys, and it isn't taken for granted, so thank you so much. And as you heard, nearly almost over the line was a quote that was going to be made into the book and a thank you from Ben to me. It didn't make it to the final print, but I know it was there. I know the memories were there and it means so much to me. And if you're listening to this, go and listen to the audiobook or buy a hard copy of it because it's absolutely brilliant. It's my book of the year and it's called Love and Pain. And truly, if you're a fan of music, you'll be blown away just how open, how honest they are. And it's just a beautiful read. If you've enjoyed today's episode, there are over 320 episodes right now with all different guests from all different walks of life available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts. So why not dive in deep and find a guest that you might love? I truly believe I cater for everyone. There's artists, bands, musicians, actors, directors, and I think everybody on there is really interesting and very different from the previous guest. So let me know if you dive in. Let me know if you find a new favourite episode and I always take the time to read and reply to every message I get. All the links are on markandme.com so there's Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Please let me know what you think of today's episode or any of the previous episodes because it really, really means a lot. I have a Patreon page as well so if you want to support the podcast and help keep this podcast going, there's a link on markandme.com and each and every month to thank you, you'll have exclusive episodes, you'll have badges, stickers, lots of merch sent to you, loads of prizes, loads of competitions and so much more. And if you're listening today, all I ask in return to keep this podcast going is to share it. So if you're on Twitter right now, hit the retweet button. If you're on Instagram, hit the like button. And if you're on Facebook, why not hit the share button? It goes a huge long way to help this podcast grow. I'm a one man team and appreciate any support. Right, I'll be back in only a few days time with another brand new episode. Thanks again to Silverchair for making the time to come on the podcast. And until next time, look after yourself, take care, listen to Silverchair, and I'll speak to you all very soon. His goal in love was to be an echo. Riding along town after town, toll after toll. Expand out through the great southwest to forget her. She appears in his dreams, but in his car and in his arms, a dream can mean anything. A cheap sunset on a television set could upset her. Sound the phone.
Remember